Welcome to the very first episode of LDS Confessions. We will be interviewing Jess, who was born a biological male, and after suffering with years of gender dysphoria and depression, and having served an LDS mission and gone inactive, she was able to find who she was and return back to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And this is her story. Hey, Jess, how's it going? Going good. Good. Hey, well, listen, Jess, you're going to be on the very first episode of LDS Confessions. How's that sound? I'm excited. Good. Well, um, Also kind of anxious. <laughs> you know what? It, it's funny. It's, it's nerve-wracking, right? We kind of just came up with this idea on, on a whim. And um, people have signed up to uh, share their stories, so... It's cool. It's okay. Um, I think I think it, it'll be beneficial for people to hear your story. So for everybody that's uh, listening right now, if you skip the intro, just a little bit about Jess. So I met Jess six years ago. We were in the same ward at um, it was it was a BYU ward, and um, <clears throat> kind of interesting when I met Jess, um, he identified completely as male. And um, since then, uh, Jess has began to transition uh, to a female, and um, he, has, he has a unique story. And uh, you know, I, I should be politically correct here, Jess. Do you want me to <laughs> use, use your? I mean, I'm you know, use your proper pronouns, or like, I mean, I'm fine see? either way that you want to do it. Um, I did think it was interesting the way you approached that, but yeah, no, I. Yeah, I mean, I just get confused because I. I I've known you as a dude since the beginning, so like... <laughs> no, and see, that's that's the case for a lot of people in my life, so I try not to force pronouns on anyone just because there are people who have known me so long that if people, you know, mess up with the wrong ones, I I don't hold it against them. It's more the people that purposely choose the wrong ones that I've got problems with. Don't worry well, about it. Well, what about what about so now that you've, I mean, you know, you're, uh, you've transitioned. Do you just expect mm-hmm. these new people that you encounter to to um, call you by your proper pronouns? I mean, it's one of those hard things. So pronouns can be pretty useful when it comes to um, like how you feel or how it makes you feel. Like for example. The reason a lot of people ask for specific <laughs> pronouns in their lives is because they have this disconnect with the gender that they were assigned at birth. That's kind of the situation that I ended up in. And so many oftentimes we choose pronouns that we think match us the most. And so there is a, a certain like emotional reward that we get when people use those pronouns for us. Like for me, being um, referred to as she, her, even if it's kind of just a simple thing it makes me feel really happy when that happens now i'm probably not yet at the stage where most people will immediately see me as she her and automatically do that and that's fine i'm still kind of used to that i'm trying to to pass better so that people initially do it so as i meet people i try to recommend the the right pronouns what about what about like this whole uh current you know thing going on in society where people try to identify by their pronouns even though they're 
they're straight. I mean, does that come off? As, <laughs> does that come off as? I mean, not straight. I mean, they're they're not um, they're not they're not transitioning. Does that does that do you find that offensive? Or are you like, yo, that's that's my thing. Why the hell are you guys doing that? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't really say it's my thing. It's one of those things where, like, a lot of what you'll see online are some of those like random memes. Like, I identify as transparent. My pronouns are who, where. <laughs> but um like i can i can get some of the jokes i feel like oftentimes people make those jokes or have these like random somewhat like like a lot of the jokes aren't done in good fun if you know what i mean because yeah, i feel like a lot yeah. of people that joke about the pronouns they're more doing it to poke fun at those who do choose the pronouns but, but rather than saying, making some genuine fun out of it yeah what I'm saying though is like, I mean, you help me understand that mm-hmm. for trans for trans people that, you know that that makes them feel good, right? But like, you mm-hmm. just have some normal forty year old white woman and she has in her bio, she her. I mean, does that not? Are you kind of just? Like, oh no no no! I feel oh. like, I feel like especially as things have become more ambiguous. <laughs> And there are many people who are in early stages transition or even like non-binaries who don't even consider transitioning, but do prefer things like they, them rather than she, her, or he, him. It's, I feel like having those in your bio, like if you are um, what we'd call cisgender, cisgender being someone who identifies with the gender they were assigned at birth, you know, if they want to throw pronouns on their profile, I feel like that is beneficial. Because everybody should be referred to the ones that they prefer, even if it is just the ones that you would automatically assume. All right. Well, that, that's interesting. But um, and th- thanks for clearing that up. I, oh, for I sure. Wanted, I wanted to get your opinion on that. Um, you know, just because you, as a transgender person, you have the authority, the moral authority <laughs> on that for sure. Oh, um, man. I, I don't think that could really be said for sure. There isn't really a moral authority <laughs> when it comes to transgenderism. And right. I feel like I am very much not conforming to many of the things I see online. I know I I debate a lot with some of my other housemates and people that um they see these other more public figures of like trans them, I'll say. Yeah. Um, that have very different approaches. And there are some that are like well, that, almost that... grammar Nazis when it comes to stuff like that. And well, that's what I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to bring you on, though, is because um, I mean, mm-hmm. you are different, right? You're <laughs> typically when people think of a uh, transgender person. Um, I mean, you 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 look at that profile. Uh, politically, they're they're probably going to lean left. Um, I mean, that's the the typical assumption, right? Mm-hmm. Um, normally, when as far as their belief in a god goes, it's it's non-existent, or at least again, that's the mm-hmm. stereotype. Uh, but you, you grew up LDS, um, and so tell us about tell us about your um, your religious upbringing. Were you? <laughs> I mean, your parents I know were are LDS, and so did you just grow up in that traditional uh, Mormon um, household? A, a little bit, yeah. So to give you some context, um, <laughs> both of my parents, I well, one of my parents is technically a convert. Um, she was converted while she was still young. Her parents essentially got baptized when she was about three years old. Um, and then she was baptized when she was eight after that. 
most of her family is uh, kind of is half and half. Half of them are joined the church together with their parents. Half of them decided not to join. And of the half that stayed, half of them kind of like... So there's, there's only about a quarter that are active on my mom's side. With my but dad's like, side, it was... Oh, yeah. your, your side, though? Just you? Oh, your, just me? You and your, your yeah. parents. Yeah, your household. Well, I, I just wanted to give a little background. Because like my dad was in, a, in a, an inactive family in the the church and he himself chose to be active in the church and so those kind of two ideologies came down to me of that i chose the church on both sides and so both of them very much wanted to make sure that the church was very prevalent in my life and the life of my siblings and so yeah growing up it became forefront it Almost seemed out of the question for somebody to not get baptized. It was expected. But at the same time, I was young. I was growing up. It's one of those things where I didn't even ex- think of it, other options at the time. All I knew is I had a great relationship with my parents. And I had a great relationship with the people of the church at the time. And so joining the church made sense to me. So you were baptized when you were eight? Correct. Okay, so then... Um... How about going on a mission? Did you go out? I mean, how, how old are you right now? I am currently 30 years old. Okay, so you're 30. So you would have been going out before the age change, right? Like 19. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> fun fact, the age change actually happened while I was at the MTC in Brazil. Okay. You, what, what mission in Brazil did you go to? Um, it was Porto Alegre North at the time. Okay. So you went down to Brazil and... um. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm curious to know, like, what what motivated you to go on a mission? Were you, like, converted beforehand? Was it social pressure? What what was the, the key, key reason for you to go on a mission? Oh, the key reason. I mean, I can list a couple different reasons that came together. Um, but there was a key reason for sure. So, like, some of the side reasons that assisted with it were things like social pressure. Like, it was expected of me to go fulfill the mission. Um, It was just part of the things that we were expected to do. My dad served a mission in Montana, and so he very much expected me to do so. And I also had already prepared for it. You know, I did the training, I did the learning, I got the money set aside. So part of that was just the steamroll effect. But I think the key reason that I went is because even though I was pretty young at the time, I had actually gained somewhat of a concrete testimony of god in my life um just a few years prior to leaving on the mission i had run into a a particular situation that led me to essentially plea for forgiveness um to god at the time and it bestowed within me a a witness of at least god's reality Maybe not the church or the gospel or any specifics, but just the feeling that I knew God existed. That kind of drove me forward. And so my intention when going to the mission, into the mission was I didn't really care how many people I converted. I didn't really care about the numbers. My main intention was I just wanted to get people closer to God and have that same witness that I had um, received before. Okay, that that's pretty cool. And and how was your mission? Was it um, 
And with the mean Brazil, did you have a lot of baptisms? <laughs> so in the southern tip of Brazil, it was a bit different. Um, when I started my mission, I started around the same time as the mission president. And the mission president started just one transfer before I did. Mm -hmm. um, and he he was awesome. Um, and he helped us improve a lot of things in the mission. But to get an idea, it's a very Germanic and Italian area that I was serving in. So although it falls under Brazil, it technically was like I was serving in Europe for a lot of the people um, and a lot of the areas that I was passing through. Um, oh, man, it's, it's hard to yeah, teach those white it, people, huh? Yeah, but yeah. to give a perspective, like when I first came there uh, in a transfer, the mission would have on average about 13 baptisms. Wow. I've when been... I left the mission, per transfer, we'd have an average of around 500. Wow. <laughs> and there are a couple different reasons for that. And part of me worries about it because like during my mission, one of the things that we stepped up is just that focus on baptism, that focus on getting people to commit to baptism. And part of me was like, really enjoying that so I mean, part of me was like this is really a good way to get people going this is a way to push forward this is a way to try and get people convicted and are committed and getting them baptized and getting them closer to god but at the same time part of me was running into a problematic understanding of what was going on because i was seeing so many people get baptized and so few we're actually staying in the church. So you just and, kind of saw, saw them as numbers and that worried you. Yeah. So, and, <laughs> and like, I understand there can be benefits. Like I don't hold anything against the mission presidents because there are benefits that can be received from that method. Because, you know, some people would call it the shotgun method. You know, you shoot out as much as you can, scatter it as much as possible. And a few things will take. Um, right. But that there were two things i saw problematic with that like um johnny you've done have you done summer sales i can't remember um <clears throat> yeah i have yeah because like when you do summer sales do you care as much about the individual or more just getting the sale across um i mean a good a good salesman does care about the individual but yeah typically true just trying to get the Trying to get it to, you know, trying to get that sell, trying to get that that little mm -hmm. bit, of, that little high. Um, but that, yeah. um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I I get that for sure. That that was the same way in my mission. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I served in in South America as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I know there are tons of ways to justify means or other things, but I felt like, and it's many of the people around me essentially just focused on those numbers. They didn't. They stopped caring about the people, and more were just. They they took experience. I know many people were in summer sales, so they know closing techniques. They know how to get people to agree with them, how to move things forward, even if people are saying no. Um, but I felt like some people got so involved in those numbers that they people were dragged into baptism that didn't actually want to be baptized, nor were they actually ready to be so. And part of that really damaged my spirit while I was on the mission. And I tried to justify it while I was there. 
um, tried to figure out means. Eventually, it just got to the point where my main thing on the mission was to make sure that the people were ready and that they so, would understand yeah. things before moving forward. So you like taking that into account, right? So you you mm-hmm. did you serve the full two years? Yes, full two years. So you served the full two years. Um, fala portugués, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you come back and um, did you go inactive? Not immediately. Okay. So well, and and before we go into yeah. that, though, I I want to talk about this. Okay, so. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you mentioned to me beforehand about gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. right? That, that's all. so. What's uh, what what is gender dysphoria? Yeah. So, on a surface definition, gender dysphoria is the idea that I would say it's like a mental, it's a mental thing, but it's the idea of an incongruence with your physical self, or your assigned gender at birth would be another way to approach it. But the idea is um, there are certain situations that you can be in where you just feel wrong. Like, have you ever walked into somebody's house without being invited? No. Or like, like let's say your friend has an open <laughs> invite that says, hey, you can come by my house anytime. You walk inside um, and they're not there. Okay. Do you no, feel I, a little I, awkward I there? Go. I kind of get what you're you're getting. Yeah. Yeah, So, so it's that kind of feeling, except instead of being in your friend's house without them present and you just be feeling awkward there, it's like that feeling in your own body. So that was, and and when did you begin feeling that? (laughs) Um, honestly, if like in retrospective, I would say it started when I was about eight to 10 years old. Um, I don't know the exact date. I can't really pin it down. Um, but it, it was around that time that I felt weird about myself. I very much didn't like who I was, how I looked. Um, and I start to look at, um, the girls that surrounded me with envy. Like I wanted to be like them, but I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't know who trans people were. It was very much not a subject that we talked about in my family. And so the immediate interpretation I had was, oh, I probably just think the girl's cute and I like her. Um, and I, it, the envy that I'm feeling is the envy of not having her as like a girlfriend or something like that, you know? And that's the yeah. way I originally interpreted it. Um, so, but so with yeah. that though, did that lead then to, um, I mean, <clears throat> you, you identified that when you were 10. Mm-hmm. And then you go off, you you serve a mission at at any time. I mean, did that discomfort grow as you hit puberty? Oh, absolutely. So, did it? Oh yeah. So as as time went on, um, even though I had like tried to make these justifications in my head, there were certain things that I couldn't get out of the way. Um, when I was starting getting to about 11 years old, I would actually start staying home when my parents left with the family. Like, they would go and I'd be like, nah, I just like to stay home and play my video games, right? And obviously, what ended up not happening is I didn't play my video games. Instead, what I would do is I would 
raid my sister's bedrooms and try on their clothing because it felt good. Like that was before I even hit puberty. So it wasn't even like a sexual thing at the time. I just wore it. And when I wore it, I felt good. I didn't fully understand it. I didn't really know what I was doing. As soon as I finished, I felt guilty because I was, you know, in a sense, stealing. I felt like perhaps I was breaking God's will for me. I don't know what it was, but a lot of guilt suddenly drops on me every time this happens. So I immediately take it off, throw it away, go to my room and just seclude myself for a little while. So you knew it was wrong. I mean, you've, mm-hmm. you felt it was wrong. And... I felt I felt it was wrong because I had been told that it was wrong, you know? Yeah. I'm told that we should love ourselves for who we are. I've been told that, you know, you shouldn't steal. And I felt that because I wasn't being honest with the people around me, um, there was a problem inherent with that as well. So what about um going into your mission, though? I mean, by the time you're, you know, you're 19, you're 18, you're 18 preparing, you... Mm-hmm. You know something's different about you, right? Yeah. So you know and something's different about you. So how did that did that manifest itself in the mission too? Yeah. So I'll give you a little lead up before jumping into the mission. After hitting puberty um, for a little while, it was one of those things where since I had already made these previous um, concessions or basically told myself that these feelings were led in these directions... One of the things that happened is I eventually hit puberty. I got to the point where, you know, I'm a horny teenager. And so I began to masturbate to the idea of me being a woman. And then eventually I label the entire of my gender dysphoria as a fetish. Huh. That's and so leading up to my <clears throat> mission, that's like somewhere in there, my parents catch me um with my sister's clothing or like i would have some that i just kept stored away off to the side and that's what they thought too they they considered a fetish they're like hey you need to ask god forgiveness you need to try to be better and i personally thought that was the truth because that's what i'd been led to believe and so i did so and that idea persisted entirely up until my mission and the idea was in the mission, the idea was that, or in my preparation for the mission, the idea was that, number one, I needed to stop masturbating for the mission because that was important. Um, because it was about my, you know, the law of chastity, my sexual health, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it was also, in my mind, it was also, I need to find a way to overcome this fetish. I need to be normal. Is what it became in my head. But so like with this, <clears throat> I mm-hmm. mean, did you ever did you ever talk to your bishop about this? Um, I never told my bishop specifics. I only ever told my bishop that I masturbated. And the only people that I told that were the idea that I wanted to be a girl or that when I masturbated I wanted to be a girl were my parents, probably the only ones that knew, mainly my dad. I don't think he I don't know if he told my mom. He never fully explained if so, he did. So you, you told him that, and, then, huh? How, how did he... I mean, how old were you when you first told him that, and how did he take it? <laughs> I was 16 the first time it happened, and he caught me a second time when I was 18. Um, but my parents, they're very, they're very loving people. Since they were approaching it at, at the angle of I was struggling with this addiction, that's the yeah. way they saw it. They were very much approaching it with forgiveness and say, hey, 
we'll, we're here to help you try and overcome this and be better, right? But yeah. never once did it seem to cross their minds of that I might actually have something else to do with this, right? Yeah. And so since it never crossed their mind, it also never crossed my mind. Well, no, and that, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, uh -huh. I feel like this whole uh, society's accepted open, you know, media, <laughs> social media acceptance of transgender people. I feel like that's been more recent. You know, you, you see that more uh -huh. recent, like the whole pronoun thing being put in your bio. I remember that I, I was I've seen <laughs> like, well, that was like two years ago. I saw people putting that in their bio. And now you have to, like, you know, you can't not put it in your bio if you know you go to i mean you can not not put it but you go to instagram and there's an option to fill it out you go on linkedin and there's an option to fill out <laughs> your pronouns and stuff and so you know it, it, it's pretty much been brought to light at this point but i can understand you know your parents not knowing you know what the hell's going on they're probably just like uh it's a devil the devil's telling them to do this right <laughs> yeah no i mean it was one of those things where, like, even when I saw, like, transgender individuals, I remember way back when one of the huge transgender people that made it big was um, one of the first transgender women to uh, win, I think, Miss Universe or something. It was one of the, the main beauty pageants, and people were freaking out because, oh, they're transgender, that's terrible. And I looked at her, and I was like, that's weird. I don't know why people would do that to themselves meanwhile all the time thinking to myself having these weird fantasies that i would um go off to um and it's it seems interesting the dichotomy that existed so prevalent and yeah no that is interesting yeah, like the the people like you'll often find even people on the internet they're um we talk about transphobia sometimes um and you'll find trans individuals who are transphobic because sometimes, like, even when you're in a certain situation, you have this mindset that's been adopted within your own brain or your own life that leads you to believe the opposite of what you are. Um, and sometimes you justify it. Sometimes, I don't know, it gets complicated. <laughs> well, no, no, that, that's just that, that's fascinating. I mean, immediately... Mm -hmm. As you say that, I just have so many questions popping in my head, <laughs> and like so many, like you know, I mean, you know how I kind of think, you know, it's like now you got me all all wild up with that because because <laughs> no, it it is interesting. It's interesting that you say that while <clears throat> while these people are coming out as trans, you're like, why the hell would they do that? Then you go home and put on your sister's underwear, you know? <laughs> <But> yeah, like... <laughs> I know. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense when you think back on it, but in the time, it made sense, uh, and it made all the sense to me. Yeah. So let's um let's let's talk about that. Though. Let's talk about how that ends up finally bringing itself out. Then, because mm -hmm. I mean, obviously now, um, right now, as far as I understand, you're you're taking hormone medication mm -hmm. right you're, you're you're growing some titties um <laughs> you're, you're growing titties now you yeah, my like girls are coming in <laughs> um i mean you even you even like to speak more feminine right you, yeah you i try to you i've been your... uh, i've been getting some vocal coaching i'm not the best at it but i'm mainly getting it so that i can try to present more feminine um in the long term yeah, yeah. so so i mean you're you're taking on this role right whereas I mean, a decade ago, you were still like, nah, it's just a fetish. Now you've mm -hmm. fully opened yourself up to it. So I want to get into that and talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but first, 
okay. so, I mean, going back to the, going back to post. So before the, on the mission, then, I mean, did you just suppress that or how'd that, how'd that happen? Well, actually, so, so this is actually leads into your, what you wanted to, to hold back on. This is a very much a step towards that realization. So like I mentioned in the preparation up to the mission, the idea was I needed to be normal. So I suppressed all these feelings. I got, and this is what led into my depression later on in life is I got really good at suppressing my emotions and just becoming this like facade or puppet right did i still experience emotions absolutely but i just kind of like buried them down and bottled them up and it allowed me to essentially overcome my addiction when it came to the masturbation and therefore because i overcame that it felt as if i overcame this what i thought to be a fetish this gender dysphoria that i had so i i succeeded I went for the interviews, I got my mission call, and I went on my mission. During the mission, I was very much blessed by God with many things, including patience, and one of the greatest things I was blessed with was, like, freedom from these temptations, right? From, from I didn't really? feel tempted for any of it. Like, I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed mass faith. Like, I didn't have to bury my emotions. I could just keep going. I felt free to cry. I cried very often. Um, But there was one opportunity that I had in my mission where we were in a house that the sisters had previously occupied. Um, And I found we, we were just looking through some of the stuff that previous missionaries had left. And one of them was just a pair of leggings that was left behind. Right. Yeah. Pretty good could be kept from warmth anything i don't know but they left it behind right and the first thought that immediately came into my head was i want to wear those huh. and the weirdest thing is like i've gone this whole mission with no temptation uh, how long how long into the mission was this this was about a year and a half okay so into eight... my mission okay so i was already a senior companion i was training somebody at the time but I saw those leggings and the first thought was in my head was, I want to wear those. Huh. And when you're in a high spiritual state like that, usually, you know, you wouldn't expect thoughts like that to happen. So the first thought I thought was, oh, thinking back, this was a fetish. This is a temptation. I should say no. Did I give in to temptation? Yes, I did. As soon as... Uh, one of my, as soon as my mission companion went to the bathroom, I tossed those, I threw those things on as fast as I could. Oh, no way. And then threw them off as just as fast when I felt guilty (laughs) for the same reasons as I initially felt guilty when I was a kid, you know, before, before the whole, um, puberty thing happened. I felt like I was being, that I was lying to my companion. I was being deceitful and I was doing something wrong. So I took it off and then I just filed that thought away. Part of me was wondering, like, why why did i why did i do this why did i put those on so, why did um, i put them in my suitcase to keep with me <laughs> so i um, I, I gotta ask though, this because <laughs> because because what's interesting about this i mean this temptation that you have uh-huh um, i mean for me it, it you know my temptation is like has been always will be women right um mm-hmm. that that's always been my thing right and so and i think that's just the same for any uh 
you know, normal male, right. That, that, mm-hmm. that likes women. Um, so did you have that as well? I mean, were you like, I mean, were you getting horny over women or, or over <laughs> men or like, I mean, like what, what, what was your sexual your orientation? Oh, then, I mean, shifted, yeah. I mean, considering the situation with what we've been labeling as my, my fetish, um, how it was inextricably linked with the dysphoria. Um, I would very much say that it was mainly my focus towards women, but it was like a twofold thing. Like as, as of now, like I, I'm slightly bi-curious, but I'm mostly, I would be mostly, most accurately end up as being considered a trans lesbian. Um, basically like you, you like becoming female, but still likes females. And so there was very <laughs> much this twofold thing going on where, I would imagine being a girl with a girl. Yeah. And that was those were my dreams. That's that's how I got off. That's how I kept going forward. That's what made me enjoy it because it had those twofold things. One I would experience I would I fantasized experience the life as a girl while also being somebody that I'm attracted to. So that's yeah. So that thought then, you know, it wasn't like for me, you know, I guess the temptation would be, yeah, you know, I, I see some really attractive chick, um, you know, and then my mind, you know. It, <laughs> oh, I, I mean, depend, no, very much I'm, so. That... But, but yours is like you see an attractive chick and like in your mind, you're picturing yourself becoming a chick. and being. Like, yeah, well, th- there's actually two things that happen in my brain every time I see. The first thing was I want her like you know i like i want to have sex with her i want to fuck her whatever and the other thing is i want to be her and they're like two simultaneous things that go off and i know a lot of people suffer with that because like i see memes on reddit and stuff like that where people very much express the exact feeling that i had of like it's confusion you don't know do you want to be her or do you want fuck her or is it both and for me it was very much both but the only interpretation i could think of at the time was that I wanted to to have sex with her, or I wanted some weird, you know, possess her, become her sex type thing. I don't know. Huh. But that, that that's just interesting. I mean, I'm, yeah. And the reason I ask that is I just want people to kind of get that. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, the whole confessions thing, the LES confession. Oh yeah. But right? the the page, the page itself, it's it's in asking these types of things, which people are curious about, but no one's gonna. Oh yeah. You know, no, I mean, somebody meets a transgender person, they're not gonna be like, yo. So when you <laughs> see that person, are you trying to, you know, they're not gonna ask you these types of questions, and that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's what I'm trying to ask. No, and I and I feel like yeah, no honesty, like being honest about these are gonna be the most helpful, and that's kind of why I wanted to that I agreed to be on this podcast is to make sure that, um, at least my point of view, I would I would definitely not say that I am the case for all transgender individuals. I know plenty of that were, you know, ended up completely far away from the church. Yeah. Um, I know the people that were abandoned by their parents when they came out as transgender. And a lot of people have different situations yeah, so, that affect their lives. So let's talk um, about this then. So you, so you have this incident 18 months okay. into your mission. Yep. Um, and then, you know, 18 months in, you, you try this on, you feel guilty. Did that guilt... Wait, um, carry with you where you like I gotta go tell my mission president well, kind of just like nah like I'm just gonna I I filed it away right yeah I didn't I didn't I didn't masturbate when I did it I simply put them on and took them off 
And then, like I said, I put them in my suitcase and saved them for later. <laughs> um, and so they were like this looming reminder in my suitcase. I would see them and I would remember. And then part of me would feel guilty. Part of me would just be confused. And so eventually at, when we reached another place. I tossed them in the trash in one of my new areas and I forgot about them. I just filed it away. Didn't feel like I need to talk to the mission president because I didn't do any sin. Right. At least I didn't feel like I had. So I just filed it away. But like you felt and guilty forgot about though, it. right? Like you knew that was not cool. But you I, didn't, I, yeah, like it wasn't yeah, like the guilt. The guilt was mainly like looking back. I just felt guilty for doing it. Yeah. Oh no, I felt at the time that I was just guilty because I'd done it. But looking back, I feel like most of that guilt came from just the dishonesty, because. Yeah. In my future years going into college, going through depression, I found out just how much honesty is important to me mm. because it was one of the things that I found problematic with the way people were baptizing in the mission. I felt like they were almost lying to get people to, to get baptized. There, there was a group in my mission called the Gideonton Group, which yeah. was all about passing, <clears throat> like getting people's <throat> baptisms <throat> through, even with people who were not ready for baptism because they wanted to increase those numbers and like that kind of dishonesty really affected me um so so let's let's go then to yeah i'm i'm getting excited about this oh yeah yeah because i, I want <laughs> i want to like understand you know this whole process and because now i'm starting to get a glimpse of like uh you know about how this is occurring right so you have this incident mm -hmm. and then the rest of your mission you don't have an incident right yeah or do you you do um, so, oh, no, for the rest of the mission, no incident. No incident. Okay, so then you come home. I come home. Okay, and, and at this point, how old are you? You're 21? At, at this point, I am, let's see, because I left at 19, yeah, I'm 21 at the time. Okay, so you come home and you go to BYU, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you go to BYU, um, still normal. All right, so when is your first incident after <laughs> the mission? Let, let's let's hold back. You say still normal, but that is that is where it's false because as soon as I come back from the mission, everything starts again. All mm. of that whole normalness that I thought about, gone. Out the window. I am masturbating on a regular basis every single day with the same idea, the same stuff, as if I was just picking up where I left off for the mission. Right? Yeah. Well, and that's that. You know, what's interesting is that even before I went on a mission, I noticed that from return missionaries. It's like every person that goes on a mission, they're a saint for two years. They come back. Well, not everyone, right? You got the rebels, mm -hmm. but you come, they come back and they all fall back into the same thing. Um, and for you, I mean, but there was a while though. I mean, there was probably what six month period at least that you weren't jacking off before you went on a mission. Oh right? yeah, and and there are like <laughs> certain phases where I managed to stop for a little while only for it to come back again like i yeah. relapsed constantly but, but but like that was how so when was the first time after the mission like how many months after post mission three months three months okay so three months mm -hmm. and then you you get back into this cycle i get back like, into it you have like yeah you like dressing like but now you're an adult though right so now you're oh an now adult. i'm an adult so so, so as an adult you can buy your female, right? <laughs> so, yeah, no, see, here's the progression as things go on, right? I relapse, <laughs> and then I get better. And then the second time I relapse, there's this thing called Amazon that's now readily available and can uh, get things to you in, like, just a couple days. So I get an Amazon account, and now I can order clothing, underwear, whatever I want, 
get it shipped to my house. And then I go for a little bit. And then once again, I think, oh, I need to stop this. This is terrible. It's a fetish. I should stop. This is not good before God. I bag up all of the clothes or whatever I get, throw it in the garbage, off for six months, and then I relapse again. Same thing, except now I'm getting multivitamins meant for women, <laughs> even though they're not much different than actual multivitamins. Yeah. Go through the same process. Eventually, so, I stop, toss the stuff, totally and then it's just getting yeah. worse as you suppress it. Then. Oh yeah, and 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 it keeps relapsing. One of the relapses, I literally started looking up, um, ways to become more androgynous. Um, and I learned about hormone replacement therapy that way. And so I started illegally buying medication with the intention to become more androgynous to improve my experience with the masturbation. <laughs> That's what it was at the time. That's what I understood it to be. And so, this was just going from 21 all the way up until I was 26. Just these constant back and forth with relapsing and all that stuff. Right. But, but there comes a time, I mean, from talking to you beforehand, right? You, yeah. you, you don't you don't realize what transgender is until you're what 24 yeah well i didn't even like fully understand who a transgender was and i still like after 24 i did indeed learn what it meant to be transgender and that i identified with some of the things but i didn't feel like i fully identified with it because like the way my approach was as uh, the way i understood it was i'm just doing this for the high, for the the yeah, the, like the orgasm, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a fetish. For sure. Well, you <laughs> yeah, know, you know what's interesting. So, and I, and so I... I felt I wasn't transgender. I felt like my approach was something different. Yeah, I... like, like it was just it was just like a it was like a mm -hmm. ha bad habit, right? Yeah. So that, that eventually <laughs> I should kick. Well, you know what's interesting is um, I I mean I've I've been reading about this. It's like when you suppress something. The, the reason it gets worse i mean there's i don't know the exact reason right but it's like some kind of psychological um issue where like mm -hmm. for example porn addicts right they try to use willpower uh, it can only last so long before they screw up and then they they get mm -hmm. back into it now they're screwing up more and more and getting deeper and deeper into it right and now you have a lot of these life coaches out there that are saying like sit in the urge process it whatever to get rid of it do you feel like if you would have gotten that type of counseling you know where um instead of suppressing it someone said look jess this is what's going on you are you know you're transgender but you can you can <laughs> or align you're very yourself, likely to be yeah. but, but you can keep yourself aligned with the gospel with the church in every aspect of in every sense of the way you can stay pure like you're on your mission if you practice you know this exercise that exercise etc do you feel like do you feel like that could have worked you know you feel like if that would have happened that would have worked and like i don't know you maybe you would have met some chick and yeah blah blah blah. you could have suppressed it for i don't know another 20 30 years <laughs> or do you feel like i mean it was just bound to happen and you're glad it just did eventually see I feel like if somebody were to <clears throat> approach me with all that, like with just the way that you mentioned it, I feel like if they did that, I would have figured out how much of an idiot I was being much earlier and would have started transitioning earlier. Really? 
Yeah. Like, you would have just been like, well, this is who I am, and I'm not going to fight it. Well, I mean, will I have tried to fight it? Probably, but I don't think I would have fought it for long. Because, like, cause, like the reason I realized I was trans <coughs> in the first place, like, truly to myself, that it, that I identified as trans, that was me, that was something I should do, is because I started getting therapy for my um, depression. You know? When I was 24 to 26, that little age range um, where I mentioned between when I learned that I was trans or what trans was, um, that, I, that, that I had some similarities to when I actually actually considered myself trans and should go about something, um, that whole period I was seeing a counselor for my depression. Um, I had been kicked out of BYU because I was getting so depressed I was stopped going to my classes and my grades were just plummeting like crazy. Um, well, let me ask you about your depression real quick. So, was oh, your, yeah, it was, sure. your, was your depression? I mean, are, are you on de- antidepressants now or no? I am not. Okay, so, oh, wow, that, that's awesome, actually. I know, but, right? <laughs> so, so, your depression, it seems like, came a lot just because you're just suppressing who, mm-hmm. who you were. Yeah. Right? And so, you're trying to fix yeah. this with medications. You're trying to, like, Correct. and we, we put me, we put our, <laughs> we put me, um, yeah, I got put on some medication for my depression at the time and it did help a little bit. I don't feel like it helped a lot, but it helped me with the therapy that I was going through, which very much mentioned all the things that you, that you talked about previously, where it had to do with approaching my emotions in a healthier way to not suppress them. Cause like, if you remember what I talked about when getting ready for the mission, I learned how to suppress emotion in general I was finally learning to release those emotions, to express them again, to not feel ashamed of those emotions. And although I never, ever told my counselor or my therapist about my gender dysphoria, I only ever told them about the depression and the aspects of that. I felt like it really helped me with the dysphoria, too, because it helped me create a better understanding uh, a way that we talked about it is how I essentially created this mask, this persona that I wanted to act in front of everybody while yeah. keeping my true self hidden. That, uh, bro, that that, sh- <laughs> that shit makes me sad, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, that, that, <laughs> that depresses me, bro, because you, I mean, you dropped out of school because you got depressed, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, I just feel like, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, this is just an assumption, man, but, like, if you would have transitioned way earlier been accepted yourself way earlier without these social norms religious norms i mean you probably would have stayed at school right oh i mean probably because because you were like i mean what'd you get on the act <laughs> say that um you uh get? 34 you got a 34 <laughs> on the act right so you're 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 you're, you're pretty smart when it comes to school yeah. learning but you hated yourself so much during those those important years, right, where where most people are like going to college, they graduate, they move on, get yeah. get dope as job that you're just like, I mean, f my life, right? I talked, I already talked to you a little bit about my how much I valued honesty, and one of the huge things that was going on is I felt like when I was going to school or when I was talking to my friends and everything, I felt like I wasn't being honest who about who I was. I would interact with people and think I'm lying to them constantly. And that's just, it hurt so bad. Yeah. Um, Well, and that's probably why you're depressed. You know, you're not being honest with yourself. And that depression was very much not being honest with myself and also suppressing the pain 
that I was experiencing because I felt that it was necessary, you know? I felt that I had to present myself this way, or number one, people wouldn't accept me, or number two, I would be seen as a sinner and rejected by my family, rejected by the church, all of that. So, <laughs> damn. I didn't expect yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, it's, I, I can laugh about it now, fortunately, but it was it was certainly not, yeah. it was not a very good time in my life. I don't know, that, that just still makes me sad, bro. <laughs> I think about that and I'm just like, wow. Like, this well, human being wasted so much of his life <laughs> because he didn't know better, you know? You didn't know, you didn't know what was going on, <laughs> you know? I mean, <laughs> there's a reason that I, I don't cry about it or don't worry about it too much. And I feel like, a lot of us go through certain situations and then we, we wonder, like, oh, if only things could have happened earlier, you know? Like, if yeah. only I could have bought Bitcoin when I was in high school, like my friend told me to, where a dollar would have got me a million dollars in 2020. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. no, sometimes, like, when it comes to the spiritual aspects, like, my my understanding of transgenderism, like, Part of me even like wishes I transitioned earlier just so that I could get in before my my bones locked in place, you know, so that yeah. my hips would look more feminine by the end of everything. But in the end, my approach is it, it had to happen that way. And there's a good reason for it. So, you know, and I, I think mostly it's my spiritual aspect and how we approach the idea of like, why does God let bad things happen to good people? And I feel like there's experiences that you can get from it that can very much be useful both to you and those around you in the future. So let's, um, <clears throat> I mean, we only got like 11 minutes left, you know, and I, and I want to oh, yeah. focus on this part. So you're, I mean, you're depressed and, and, and you go inactive for a while, right? Uh-huh. Now, do you go inactive because you quit believing in, in God or are you going inactive because you're just like, you know, you, you know, the situation you're in isn't good. Um, or I mean, what what's what's the reasoning there? What, why did you well, go to church? Like I mentioned, um, I felt I was being dishonest about who I was because I felt like if I were to present the true me, it would be in contradiction with the church standards, you know? Yeah. And so during this time that I started going inactive, this was the time where I was beginning to actually approach who I was and try and be true to myself, right? During this time, I even started to experiment because I thought about it now that I knew what it meant to be trans, that I had many similarities to that. And now that I was trying to approach my true self, I wanted to also approach my true self with regard to my gender and my identity there and how my dysphoria affected me. And so I did this experiment. I said, all right, let's just stop masturbating let's see if we can get rid of the addiction and see if i still receive some form of happiness and joy from effeminate acting uh, from women's clothing and so on and i found through that experimentation and as i was beginning to become more true to myself that's when i knew that my gender was not what I was born with, that it was not a fetish. It was not attached to anything. It was generally who I was, who my spirit was. And so once I identified that, 
I finally felt a lot happier with myself. I became to understand that my true self, this woman inside me, this person who very much wants to be honest with others and wants to do the things that I've been suppressing, that isn't a sin. It, it, it isn't connected to all the things that I thought it had been connected to. And then it just became this huge relief. And then once I'd done that, once I'd found my true self, I began to take steps to look at the church. And, and how, thought, how old were you at yeah, this yeah. point? How old were you at this point? At this point, I was, this is, about, like I mentioned, around the end of the 26, turning to 27 now. Okay, so, so at this point, you're figuring out, like, yo, this, mm-hmm. isn't, a, this isn't a small phase. I am a woman in, in my soul. And now you're like, now that I've accepted that, there's like a sense of peace, I'm assuming. Yeah, inner there's peace, a, inner, this inner peace. huge sense of peace. Like, you know how the Holy Ghost brings peace to your heart and your yeah. soul when there's truth manifested to you? It was like so hard. Like the first time I realized it and admitted it to myself, like the Holy Ghost came in there like a tsunami and just wiped through with peace and just really helped clear things out. Really? So it was like a spiritual experience almost in that realization. Yeah. No, it was absolutely that. Dude, that's 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 awesome. And so <clears throat> so with that, like what um what what intrigues me is like most people, you know, if if they it, I mean, dude, if I mean I I guess I'm not as I'm not that bitter and, and I have reasons to be bitter. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's things about the church that um you know they've held me back right like mm-hmm. i was i was you know we're all when we're young we're in our early 20s we think we know it all but we don't and so then when we realize later on and later on in our 20s that like dang we were misled or like some leader did us dirty or whatever then we you know you there's some justification there to be like f this organization this organization <laughs> put me through hell because of them, you know, I mean, for you, you could have been like, because of them, man, I was depressed. Because oh, yeah, absolutely. Them, I dropped out of school because did you so did you go through that? Yeah, no, I know. I knew plenty of people that do that. And like, I have many people, including one of the people I work with, that he's trans as well. He's just going the opposite direction. He very much saw the church as a cult that was suppressing him, that was preventing him from doing what he wanted to do. And so he left and he has many bad and not so happy thoughts about the church itself my approach to it was is i thought back to my mission and like we mentioned before there were general surface reasons that i went on my mission but there was that one core reason that i went and that's because i wanted to get people closer to god and because of the witness that i had received and so i thought back to that witness you know after understanding who i was who i wanted to be i thought back to my witness of who God is, his love, and I essentially came to this idea that, you know, I really do believe some of the things that the church says, that the gospel of Jesus Christ brings people closer to God. And there's, I have never once had a bad experience with the principles of the gospel. Have I had bad experiences with members of the church or church organization? Absolutely. But I have never had a problem with the gospel itself. So, 
Um, even going back, though, I mean, you go. So, I mean, let's screw it. We're going to add another. <laughs> We're going to add a little bit more time to this. Yeah, sure. I'm, yeah, I'm fine I, with that. I've got time. I'm super curious about this. Like, because, I, I mean, that sounds beautiful, man. You, you, you know, you have this testimony of God. And so you're like, look, man, I, like, I'm not going to be bitter towards the church. You know, you're, you're forgiven. You're like, I just want people, exp- I want to experience this feeling. Mm-hmm. I like, I like it. Um, but it's so interesting to me because the church is so, I mean, at least not the church, but like the culture aspect of it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what's your political affiliation? Are you, are you more liberal or conservative? <laughs> uh, I, I would say that I'm moderate and I feel like the only the only political party that's the most moderate at the moment is the Democratic Party, which, I mean, I know many Republicans yeah. that would say the opposite, but I genuinely feel like it has the most balance well, the, and the, it has the most the, values that I tend to match with. But the idea is I really feel like... But the, the reason Yeah, I, go ahead. The reason I ask that, though, is because like you're going to church, right? And, and Oh, yeah. Especially in Utah... I mean, your typical church goer, they're, they're white. Those filthy Democrats, right? They're, they're white, <laughs> they're cis, they're conservative, Republicans. Uh-huh. So, I mean, and then on top of that, right? I mean, that's that's one thing in, in and of itself, right? I mean, some mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of liberals find that uncomfortable. But then on top of that, bro, you're you're going to church dressed up as a woman, right? Yeah, um, here and there, yeah. Uh, <laughs> church, church meetings themselves, not yeah. yet, because yeah. I don't want to cause a fuss. But, like, when it comes to church activities, like ward prayer, um, family home evening, all of that jazz, yeah, no, I'll show up in a in a skirt or I'll dress yeah. up, do my makeup, everything. And I guess I still do my makeup when I go to, to the sacrament meeting, too. I think so that you, counts. <laughs> do, you, do you not ever feel so out of place, though? I mean, one, your political views aren't aligned, and your your physical views aren't aligned, and, like, everything there it's not aligned in Brussels. what what makes you want to keep going to church so like i mentioned with the gospel i essentially have created this concrete testimony where i know the truth of the gospel and i know the blessings that it's brought me um and so it all came down to my understanding of the church right and now my understanding of the church now is that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the LDS Church, is the one that seemingly has restored this fullness of the gospel to me. That it was a vessel by which I was able to receive that. And so I basically wanted to approach the church from a different point of view. I wanted to not view it as God's perfect church, but instead the vessel by which God has brought forth his perfect gospel the vessel itself very imperfect very different depending on the times a church needs to change according to the world and whether it's ready to approach it the church itself is a worldwide church and so many doctrines that could be true to the gospel can't be manifested to avoid you know persecution of members of the church in other places and so the idea with what the prophets are meant to do is to bring this restored gospel to as many people as it can as well as it can. And the second role is to be a support structure, a grouping or a community of people that are going to support each other in their problems, 
and what they're going through to help them receive the blessings of the gospel. And so when I consider the church in that aspect, I began to going, going for that exact reason. I have become the person in an elders quorum in Sunday school that always speaks up, that is brutally honest about the weird things going on in their life, because I want to get other people to do the same. I want people to be honest about what they're going through. I want people to be open so that they don't experience what I went through. And that's very much, you know, referring back to why I feel like we are sometimes meant to go through these things, right? I don't mourn the years that I've lost because through them, I can identify those going through the same thing. I can understand them. And by speaking my story, I feel I can help them. Hmm. And I have been very much blessed with the ward that I go to because I feel like our generation, you know, yeah. the generation of millennials, generation Z and the generation following are much more open to these different ideas. We're not constrained nearly as much as previous generations were um, by ideals and where you seek better understanding of others, uh, others' cultures, others' identities, all of that jazz. And being in a singles ward um, allows me to interact mainly with that generation. And so when I go to church, I actually have a support system. I have people that care about me and help me, despite the fact that I'm trans, that I very much don't fit many of the stereotypes of anybody else that's going there. But nobody's really brought it up. Nobody actually seems to care. They support me. They treat me like one of them and that's what i feel like all wards should become and my hope is that every ward would become that that's that's beautiful so yeah what um i mean do you have a calling i do you yeah calling? i am currently the ward greeter <laughs> so you'll, you'll see this cool this this long-haired <laughs> multiple piercings fully like makeup beautiful I'll call myself beautiful. Why not? But yeah, I'm going to, it's that face is going to be standing there in a suit at the front door, just greeting everybody as they come in in the most effeminate voice I can. And they're fine with that. Bishop's fine with that. They're, huh. That, that's <laughs> cool though. I mean, I, I, I like that. And I, and I, yeah, it would be cool if the, if the whole church was kind of moving in that way. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it's funny though, is a lot of people hope for the church to move that way. Or they say, yeah. yeah, like I'm leaving the church because we're not moving that way. But it's just like, bro, like you're the you're the problem. I mean, teach <laughs> their own, but I'm like, bro, you're kind of the problem if you're gonna be leaving. Over, I mean, not and not that they're the problem, but it's like they lack. Yeah, they lack what you have, and that's that that like testimony of whatever, right? See, I mean, for you, for you, you have your your reasons for going, but but the fact yeah. is, you have a testimony of something that makes you go. I think, yeah, I think it really just comes <clears throat> down to that that hard testimony of what is true the things that you know not the things that you believe and then that other approach to what is the what is the reason for the church right yeah and now it's that very reason that i understand why a lot of people leave as well yeah because like if i'm thinking back to my original ward i had a conversation with one of my friends who went inactive while he lived in the same town as me and then he became active again as soon as they moved away. And that's very much because the support system wasn't really there. My original church very much was filled with this idea of 
I'm holier than thou art. And it became a competition of, you know, who's the holiest, who's the being the most obedient to God's commandments, right? So, so instead of being that support system that invites in vulnerability and helping each other, it became that that very reason that I would suppress who I was to fit in because I wanted to, you know, present myself as that holy good son. Um yeah, so let's um let's let's, <laughs> let's wrap this up now though. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, I've I've enjoyed it because I've learned a lot. It's made no, me I've been enjoy- I I've enjoyed talking with you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, definitely grew a, a lot of my uh, more of my respect and sense of knowing and understanding better your situation. It's helped me um grow in that way. But what does the future hold for you? I mean, what does your ideal situation look like? Um. My ideal future with in regards to family with family and the church mm-hmm. um so when it comes to family, it's one of those things like I have been very fortunate that my siblings are extremely helps accepting when I came out to my parents, they were the only reason that my parents didn't cut off into dire communication with me, and now my it's although i mean I wouldn't say it's the best. My parents have never come out and said, hey, yes, you're trans. We support you in becoming a woman, that kind of stuff. None of that has happened. Um, But they still love me and they still support me. And so my ideal future would be that I find my significant other. I find a girl who I want to be with forever and create a family with her, even though that may at this point involve adopting. Um, But that's okay. That's that's the future I envision. I I want to have right. this me, my wife, a child or two in the church with people that would support them and help them get close to God. That's that is my ideal. That is my dream. <laughs> that's awesome. Well dude, I, I hope you I, I mean well do that. Dude is the <laughs> universal pronoun, just like bro. Yeah, Everybody's I, here, bro. I, I, <laughs> I hope. I hope. I really hope you get that, though. I mean, that would be awesome. I mean, I right. Maybe I'll. I mean, I, I would love <laughs> to talk more about you know coming out to your parents and stuff like that. But I mean, at this well, point, thank you. I'm, I'm at this point. I'm glad they, you know, they accept you. <laughs> maybe maybe they don't fully accept you, but they're not like you know you you have open communication with them. Oh yeah, for sure. And then that probably took a while, right? But, oh yeah, no, but, it, it it took a while, and to be honest, I never directly came out with them. I started by coming out to them in the same process that I came out to myself, by thinking, oh, right. I just want to be more androgynous, and then it keeps sticking steps from there to further and further it. Wait, did you? And did I think you, I think they've you, gotten the gist of it by now. <laughs> oh, but you already knew by then, right? You already were. Like, oh, I you, I totally but, knew by then. But you told them bit by bit by bit. Yeah, because like yeah. I mean. I, I, I'm fortunate that some of my family members helped it be a little bit softer. Like yeah. one of my siblings um, had sex before marriage, and that was a huge shocker. And they learned to forgive her for that. And then it went on to the next person to the next thing, and they learned to forgive that. And so by the time I came <laughs> in with, hey, I, I'm taking hormones to help me with gender dysphoria and be more androgynous, right? Like, sure, it hit them pretty hard, but they'd already been hit by so many things already (laughs) that they were able to accept it pretty recently, right? And it mainly really helped with, like, because when I I finally came out, my dad just, like, he said that he, you know, my son is dead, 
He walked away from the phone, God all dude. of that jazz. But immediately that night, he called me back because he went to dinner and my sister got on his back and is like, you need to go apologize. You need to tell them you're sorry. And so he called me and he says, and he apologized that night, that same night and and said that he still loved me and wanted to be better. And so like, I feel like I've been very fortunate with that. Yeah. And and that's and it and it causes me extreme pain to hear the stories of those who did not get that, who told their parents that they're transgender and they were kicked out by their parents, or their parents continually reject the idea and say it's just a phase, that this isn't you, it's a temptation by Satan, all of that jazz, because those are very much the ideas I gave myself for so long. And now that the, these individuals, these young people, whether they're 14, yeah. whether they're 20, if they're 50, the, that they so often will agree with their parents. They'll, they'll talk to themselves, they'll agree and say, oh yeah, no, it's probably just sin. Is it, a, is it sometimes a phase? Maybe. But like, let's approach it that it's not a sin. Let's try and approach it with realness. So and seems, I feel like a lot of people will seems, benefit from that. It seems like then the key, I mean, it's ironic, right? You, uh-huh. you, you think that getting mad at your child for coming for, you know, doing something of his own, of their own free will um, is going to save them. When reality is, it's going to push them away, right? Mm-hmm. When, 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 if you were to like help them. It would help yeah. them get closer to the to the gospel, right? Not and, and which is which which makes sense because I mean, by, by accepting them and by loving them, you are living the gospel. Which why would you want to run away yeah, from, from I mean, that type of love and affection, right? Like I, it was something I highly recommend to anybody on the podcast here. There's a there's a subreddit I read very often called Radical Christianity. Which is very much that idea of like trying to focus in and hone in on what it means to be Christian and to live the gospel. And very much Christ says, you know, love those that hate you and do all that things. Like he was never in support of, you know, I am going to reject you because I feel like you'll, you know, apologize and you'll come back and you'll be better, right? No, Christ was very much like, this is the direction and I love you. Yeah. Right. And, well, and that's what he taught for us to be. And, and, and that's, uh, let's end it with that, Jess. Um, uh-huh. I appreciate your time. I really do. And, uh-huh. and thanks for sharing that, that subreddit <laughs> there. Um, any, any last words you'd want to say to these, uh, anybody who's going to be listening to this before we um, get out? Let's see. I let's see for those who who suffer from gender transphoria like I do um I one of the things I hate hearing from people is that you're valid so what I want to tell you is that you are you trust your feelings and trust the holy ghost it tells you who you are and it will lead you to what's best for you for those who are not transgender that um, or even people that are running into a completely different situation with the church and things like that, I would encourage you to to go to your wards, to your churches, with the intent to make it that space. I, I, I know not everybody can be in that situation, but I hope that you can find a community where you can support each other in helping 
each and every one of you follow the gospel to the to its fullest. Well, thanks. thanks. Th- thanks for that, Jess. And I, I hope you have a good <laughs> night. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead right. and, and wrap this up. All, All right. right.